0: Thank you, Pastor Huba. It is good to be at Ephesus Church here in Columbia, South Carolina. And I was thinking as as praise and worship was going on, I think the installation service was February 2016. I think it was 2016. That was the last time Stephanie, my wife, and I came here. And um, my, you can just see that the hand of the Lord is is on this place god has looked at this place he knows what's going on he's paying attention and he is moving you there's no doubt if you weren't here then if you were then you know what i'm talking about but if you weren't here then just just it's undeniable that god is doing something great and perfect in this church and you're in a blessed place you're in a blessed place amen Thank you uh, again for the introduction, my friend Pastor Nathan Huba. It's good to be with him and his wife Lizzie, his girls Mercy and Ivy, and um, we've we've known them for many years now, and and it's good to see his parents, brother Gabriel and sister Grace. Good to see them as well, and and uh, we're great friends with them, and he he is just known all over. Ever, you know, I told somebody he still has. He has still left a legacy in the state of Florida. I was telling one of our most popular young people in, in the, the district of Florida that I was coming up to preach for Nathan Huba, and, and he said, man, I love that guy. He said he preached a message at youth camp years ago, and he recited the message to me. He said, it's still in my heart. So there, he has left a, a trail, a good trail, not a trail of blood, <laughs> but he's left a, a good legacy back in the, in the district of Florida and, and South Carolina Specifically, this church—you're blessed to have this family leading your church, <laughs> amen. And then it's—it's it's also good to be with our friends Mattman and Hannah Harrell and and uh, their sons Micah and Levi. Uh, we've known them a long time as well, so it's great to be back with them and just to see smiling faces and be with friends. But I, but we are happy to be here with you. We are happy to be at this church, and we've been looking forward to it um, ever since we received the invitation. So I want to go to the word of the Lord tonight today, if you'll open your Bible with me, to the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. I'm going to start with verse number 40. And read to verse 42. I'm reading from the New King James Version. So I hope you don't hold it against me, but this one just read better for what I'm going to preach today. The New King James Version. Luke 8, verse 40 through 42. It's also good to have my wife here with me, Stephanie Rogers. She's she's here in case things go south, in case, in, in case things go bad. Everybody loves her and likes her, so, so I brought her as an insurance policy. So we'll see how things go. We may need her. We may not need her. We'll see how it goes today. So Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 42 the Bible says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. As he went, the multitudes thronged him. By the help of the Lord today, does anybody like to travel? Anybody like to, to go on a trip? We're going to go on a trip together today. We're going to walk with Jairus. My title today is The Journey to a Miracle. The Journey to a Miracle. Why don't you just lift your hands with me and let's just pray together that God's hand would be on the remainder of this service. Jesus, God, we ask that you would have your will and your way for the remainder of this service, that you would bless your word, that you would help me to present what you've given me, God, and that I would simply just get out of the way and that you would bless this people, bless this church for the furtherance of your kingdom in this city. And God will give you the praise and the glory. Everybody said, In Jesus' name. Why don't you shake your neighbor's hand as you're going seated and tell them you like their shoes today? As I mentioned, I'm, I'm thankful to have my wife here with me today. And um, we enjoy traveling together. We enjoy going on trips. And if you get to know us, chances are and i 'm not boasting i 'm not bragging, but chances are you 're going to like us <laughs> chances are you 're going to you 're just going to feel comfortable with us and you 're going to want to be our friend. We just have friends everywhere we go we we don't have very many enemies, and if we do then we don 't we don 't know about it you know we 're just kind of oblivious to it we just en- we just enjoy people we enjoy each other and, and we just you know we just in en- Enjoy traveling and going on trips together. However, as nice as we are, and as friendly as we are, and as, and as many friends as we have made all across the fruited plains of the United States, there is one enemy that we can identify together. There is there is one. Nemesis that we have that appears to us each and every time that we get in the car, that we've made the decision that we're gonna go on vacation, or we're gonna go to a conference, we're gonna we're gonna come to Columbia, we're gonna make a trip together. There is one nemesis, there's one enemy that we face every time that we make that decision. And then the the, the enemy he doesn't like us and, and we don't like him, and it's a mutual, mutual hatred. It's a mutual disrespect. There's enmity between us and this enemy. And that enemy is the ETA, the estimated time of arrival. Does anybody feel me on that? Anybody use your GPS on your phone? Does anybody use Waze? Can I ask you why you're not using Waze? I should be a Waze salesman. It, it's great. It tells you where all the policemen are. It tells you where the wrecks are. And if, 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 if the highway's backed up, it jets you off the highway and gets you down these back roads that you think you're going to die on. But you really come out the other side and it's, it's saved you 15 minutes. It's an incredible app. So download it today. That's your homework. Go home and download Waze. But the ETA drives us crazy. We get in, and, and as we look at that screen, and, and if it tells us six hours, then it's a formal challenge. That means five and a half hours or less. There's a pact between us. We don't, we don't stop and use the restroom unless absolutely necessary. We eat before we leave because we're not going to stop and get anything to eat. We brew our own coffee and, and have our own mugs that keeps it hot. We're not going through Starbucks. It takes too long. It takes too long to go through Starbucks, but it's all for a reason and a purpose. It's because we have a destination. Yeah. We have a goal. We have a we have somewhere we need to be. We've got a we got places we want to see hands. We want to shake people we want to hang out with. So there's no wasted moments. There's no wasted time. We have a we have a, a trip, a destination. We have a place that we need to get to. Right. This is a sense of urgency in us. Mm-hmm. It, we're uncomfortable with the ETA. It's the journey that, that frustrates. Not the destination. That's the, that's the place we want to get, but it's the journey. I, I have this urgency in, in traveling. Does anybody feel me on that? Yeah, yeah. Or does anybody just like to take your time? Okay, I didn't think so. Well, if so, God bless you, sister. God bless you. <laughs> I believe this sense of urgency has also manifested itself in my prayer life. Yeah. In my prayer life. When I go to God in prayer for a specific need and, and when I believe God for an answer, I expect to receive that answer yesterday. Right. Yeah. Right. I believe the biggest test of our faith right. is in the waiting. Yes. It's in the process. It's after we ask for that specific thing. Yeah. We're tested by the uncertainty of the journey ahead. My faith, you see, my faith is not hindered to where I can't ask God for something miraculous. I have no pro- problem asking God for something that seems impossible. It's the process after asking for that thing that frustrates me. I sometimes feel like the father of the possessed boy in Mark 9, 24, who said this. He said to Jesus after asking that he would deliver his son. He said, Lord, I believe. I believe. Help my unbelief. What does that mean? It means, in other words, God, I believe you enough to ask. I know what you're capable of. I know how powerful you are. And I have no problem asking you, but I need help in the process afterwards. I need help in the journey to my answers. Anybody feel me on that? Come on, Jesus, I need your help on the journey ahead. But I'd like to remind somebody in this service, collectively as a church, and individually, in your personal life, in your family, or whatever the situation is, that God's promises remain true. If He promised healing in your body, it doesn't matter how long ago it's been, healing is coming. If He's promised deliverance for you, if you still feel yourself captive by certain chains and addictions and sins and weights that are dragging you down. If you have felt the promise of deliverance before, just hold on because that promise remains true. It's still coming. In this church, believe me, as we go into prayer for the future of this church, that whatever God has promised, it's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. God is on His way to meet you where you are. God's on His way to answer your prayer and to meet you and to meet your need. Amen? Amen. Somebody say right now. Right I believe it can happen in this service. I believe it can happen today. In our opening text, In Luke chapter 8, Jesus' ministry has now led him from the Gentile region around the Sea of Galilee to the Jewish towns on the other side. The Bible says that he's passing through every city. He's going town to town and he is preaching the kingdom of God. And if you read leading up to this event in Luke chapter 8, he is doing incredible things. He's raising the dead, he's opening the blinded eyes, the the deaf ears are unstopping and he's preaching radical things, things that people just didn't say in that day and and he's doing incredible things and and as a result this has Draw attention to him. He has begun to collect a crowd everywhere he goes. He would enter into a city, and the people would literally be waiting right there. If he was getting off a boat, they were waiting for him to get off the boat. Whatever means of transportation, he was, they were right there waiting for him. Waiting for him. So as he made his entrance here. In Luke chapter 8, the Bible says that he was welcomed by a multitude of people, just an, a, 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 an innumerable amount of people waiting there for him to hear what he would preach, to see the miracles that he would perform. He was, he was at celebrity status already. He was at rock star status. Forget Trump rallies. We've all seen how big those get. Forget those. This was bigger than that. This was. They were here to see and hear Jesus and see what was going on. And it was here in the middle of this multitude, here in this crowd that was waiting on his arrival, that the Bible tells us there was a man named Jairus. Now when we read about Jairus and we begin to study who he is, the Bible tells us that he was a ruler of the synagogue, which was somewhat like we might consider today a pastor of sorts. He was a synagogue ruler, so he managed both the spiritual and the administrative affairs of the synagogue. Jairus was a church guy. Somebody say he was faithful. Faithful. Sunday morning. Jairus was there Wednesday Bible study Jairus was there if they called for an all-week prayer meeting Jairus was there you knew if you walked into the church if there was an event going on he was there he was faithful he was a giver giver of his time probably of his finances he was a faithful guy he was a mainstay at the synagogue but no one knew up until this moment of his belief in who Jesus was. Not until this hour of desperation. Jairus, the Bible tells us, was a desperate father. Somebody say desperate. Desperate. The Bible says he fell down. He worked his way through the crowd, through this multitude that was waiting, and he fought his way through elbows in the face and in the ribs and scratches and clawed his way to Jesus. Fought his way through this massive crowd. And he fell down. He didn't just walk to Jesus and interrupt him uh, in a a private manner. No, he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he begged him to come to his house. He had only one 12-year-old daughter, and the Bible says that she was dying. As his daughter laid back at home on her deathbed, each breath became weaker and weaker, and her time was not certain. Jairus needed a miracle and he needed it now. He needed it right here in this moment. This was not a pretty scene. This was not an attractive scene for this guy who was probably dignified, wore nice clothing to church and kept himself proper. The Bible says he fell down at the feet of Jesus and he was begging, you got to come to my house. You've got to come and, and touch my daughter. You've got a healer. Each moment that she lay there was precious. Each breath that she took could have been the last. Jairus is saying, you've got to come now. I've only got one daughter. I've only got one shot at this. I've only got one chance. We've tried everything and nothing seems to be working. But maybe if you can come and see her, maybe if you can get into her presence, then you can do something miraculous, something nobody else can do. And as he stands there and looks at the face of Jesus, as the rest of the crowd is still pushing and shoving, trying to get to Jesus, Jairus in this moment has captured his attention. Jesus has turned his face from the rest of the crowd, and he's looking at this desperate father. And Jairus is thinking, I've got him. I've got his attention. I can feel it. I can feel my answers coming. And Jesus opened his mouth and he gave this incredible answer. He said, I'll come with you. I will leave the crowd behind. I will leave this moment where I'm going to minister to this multitude and all these people. And I'm going to pay attention to you, Jairus. I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to pay attention to your need. I'm going to walk with you. And no matter how long it is, no matter how far the journey, and we are going to do something about this sick girl. So Jairus stands up, gathers himself together, dust off the dust, and straightens his tie if he wore one back then. They probably didn't. They had more sense than we do, so they probably didn't wear a tie. So he stood up, straightened his hair, wiped the beads of sweat from his face, and straightened his back, and he began to walk with Jesus in the direction of his house. But the Bible says, as Jesus began his journey with Jairus, this desperate father, that the growing crowd thronged him, the Bible says. The ancient Greek word here, translated as thronged, means literally suffocate. It means suffocated. This is the same Greek word used to describe the choking of the seed earlier in the same chapter, Luke chapter 8, where. Jesus gave the parable about the casting of the seed and how it would grow but thorns would twist around it and choke it out and cause the seed to die. This is the exact same word here to explain this situation. The growing crowd was choking Jesus and thronging him and scratching and pulling at him and Jairus was fallen, Jesus has fallen. So you can imagine the turmoil surrounding the chaos this scene as jesus made his way to the desperate father's house and as they begin their journey as they begin walking towards this what should be a miracle as this moment began to unfold something else incredible happened Luke chapter 8, 43 through 46 says, Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, of Jesus' garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus, stopping in his tracks, said, Who touched me? Now again, you picture the scene, the thronging crowd, almost choking him and pushing and shoving. So for Jesus to ask this question seemed a little ridiculous. What do you mean, who touched me? Peter spoke up and said, Master, the multitudes throng, they're choking and pressing you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, no, no, somebody touched. Touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. In that moment, Jesus felt something special. He felt power and virtue leave his body because of the faith of somebody in that thronging crowd who had a need and touched him. From the suffocating crowd, this woman she emerges trembling at the feet of Jesus and begins to tell him of her incredible miracle. She had tried doctor's visits, she had spent money all her life, but nothing was healing this sickness in her. But all of a sudden, when she gathered enough faith to fight through that crowd and touch the hem of his garment, something incredible happened. And all of a sudden, that flow of blood that wouldn't stop, stopped. So Jesus said to her, looking down now at this woman, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go now in peace. What an incredible miracle. What an awesome miracle this was. And it was one of the greatest Miracles and examples of faith in all of Scripture. As a matter of fact, if you read further through the Bible, you will see others who attempted the same thing she did, and they were healed as well. She set an example. She she set a precedent. This was an incredible miracle. But wait and pause just a second. What about the desperate father, Jairus? During all of this, His daughter is still at home as her life slowly slips away. Imagine the torture at this point to see Jesus take the time out to minister to somebody else while his daughter suffered. Jairus was just trying to get Jesus to his house as quickly as possible. He had fought his way through the crowd first. He had made his way and his petition known first. And Jesus turned his attention to him. But now he found himself waiting. Understand this, church. In our waiting, in this process, God is never slow. But he often seems slow to the one who's suffering. In this moment, Jairus experienced what we might call a divine interruption Jesus was meeting a need Jesus was performing a miracle It just wasn't for Jairus in this moment Can imagine what he may have been thinking God, what about me? What about my need? I came to you first What about my miracle? It's kind of like you're sick, right? dealing with a sickness in your body. You've been praying for God to heal you, and you feel God beginning to move and touch you. And then all of a sudden, somebody else gets healed before you do. It's kind of like trying to build a church. You're trying you're struggling for finances and, and the church is given everything that they've got you're trying to advance and trying to build and and you're trying to keep all the hope and faith you have and you're, you're you're seeing you're seeing glimpses you're seeing breakthroughs in the clouds the sun's just coming through and but then you get another setback but then you go to a conference and you hear somebody else in the same situation you are and they say praise God I just got a fifty thousand dollar check in the mail from somebody I don't know who it came from and you're standing there going praise God. That's awesome. But deep inside, you're going, oh my gosh, why didn't that happen for me? Now I know none of y'all think that none of y'all have ever done that. So I apologize. This is all about, this is how I feel sometimes. When God is doing something for somebody else and I'm standing on the outside and I know I've been praying, I've been believing, I've been asking God over and over and over again and it just doesn't seem like my answer's coming and just about the time I think I'm going to receive it, there seems to be a delay. But yet the whole time my brother and my sister, they're getting blessed, they're getting healed and miracles are happening left and right. I fight that sometimes. Anybody else with me? Anybody else ever felt that way? That's okay. That's okay. It's these divine interruptions. That we all seem to face in life that really begins to test our faith and our patience. There always seems to be that moment where you finally have a breakthrough in your faith only to see it squandered by one of these interruptions. These moments where the Lord seems to be distracted from our needs and focused on other things. If we live for God long enough church that we experience these delays. David experienced them. Psalm 69 and 3. David said, I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Where is he? Where's the answer to my prayer? But you see, God uses these seasons. He uses these moments, these times of delay to teach us to trust in him completely because when God delays, when He stops us in our tracks, we have no choice. We have no option but to trust in Him by submitting our agendas to Him. While you're waiting on Him, the calendar, you understand, it goes out the window. But if you'll just hold on, Jairus, whoever you are here in this place, church, if you'll just hold on to that promise, if you'll just hold on to that moment, you know where God paid attention to you and spoke to you. If you just hold on to that moment in prayer, it doesn't matter how long ago it was where you felt God was giving you an answer. You may not see it in this moment. It may not have come to pass just yet, but Jesus is still with you. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's still walking side by side with you and on his way to your situation. Come on. You're on a journey. You've hit a delay. There's a divine interruption, but God's still walking. He's still talking. He's still healing, and he's still moving in your life. I think we ought to give God a praise. For that. Thank, you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And it's not easy to praise God in these moments. It's not easy to say, I still trust you. I still believe you when the circumstances say otherwise. But if you'll just hold on through that divine delay, that divine interruption, God will see you through it. Now let's go back to the walking father here. Jairus is still on his journey. He's hit a roadblock. And if it wasn't enough for him to experience this divine interruption on the journey to his house, he now receives the news he had long feared. Luke 8, 49 says that while He was still speaking. This is Jesus. While he's speaking to this woman who is now healed, while he has turned his attention to her and her situation, while he is yet speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, from Jairus' house, saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. In the middle of Jesus' attention being diverted, who knows how long this took, At some point, the daughter has died. In other words, it's over. Forget about it. Jairus, your daughter, is dead. Imagine that sinking feeling this desperate father felt in that moment. On the road to his miracle, on the journey that Jairus was taken, he now experienced the point, Where all logic and reasoning says to you, it's over. It's over with. It's the moment when all the signs say, it's too late. Time has run out and it is now an impossibility. Has anybody ever been there before? Faith. You come to church, the preacher, the word tells you, yes, believe God. But logic and reasoning say, it's too late. It's too late. Like Jairus, this desperate father, there often comes a point on our personal journey where it seems out of reach and all the signs tell us that it's over. But Jesus, as he stands there listening to this report, had different plans. His plans were just a bit different than the report of it's over. Luke 8.50, when Jesus heard it, when he heard this negative report, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. When Jairus thought it was too late, just when he received the news that it was over, Jesus stepped in that moment and said, It's not over yet. (laughs) I'd like to tell somebody here today who's on the verge of giving up, Jesus is saying to you today that it is not over yet. Come on, it's not over yet. Don't stop believing. Don't stop being faithful. Don't stop giving and don't stop praying because it's not over yet, church. Jesus then gave Jairus two things to do. He said, first, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. not. Second, he told him, believe only. Jesus understood, and he knew this, fear and faith don't mix. Fear and faith don't go together. Before Jairus could really trust Jesus for his answer, before he could continue on the journey to his house, he had to decide first to put away fear. In other words, don't try to believe and be afraid at the same time. You got to rid yourself of that fear. Don't try to believe and figure everything out. Don't try to believe and make sense of the delay that you're in. Instead, believe only. Somebody say, believe only. Don't try to, to believe God and then look at logic and reasoning. Don't try to believe God and then also analyze the situation. You'll, just, you'll destroy your faith. It's kind of like me. If I get sick, if I start feeling bad, I go to WebMD. Don't do that. If you do that, the next thing you know, you've got six weeks to live and you're going to die because I promise you every single symptom for whatever astronomical disease there is, you're going to have it on WebMD. Don't do that. We need to stop in our faith when it comes to things of the spirit, when it comes to believing God. God gives us a diagnosis, but we go to spiritual WebMD. You say, I, I, I believe God in what he's saying, but, but let me just look at the facts for a minute. Let me see if I can figure it out. But church, when we do that, we start chipping away at our faith. We stop destroying our faith. And then when pastor says, we got to give, we've got to give of our time and our finances because we got a next step we got to take. We start questioning and saying, well, I don't know, because it doesn't really look like it's going to work out. So maybe we should hold back just a little bit, pull the reins in. We've just went to WebMD and the spirit. Whenever we're sick in body and and the brother gets up here and says, if you're sick, you want to come up and get prayed for. A lot of times we think, well, I I tried that last week and I still feel sick. I'll just go by CVS on my way home and and see if that helps me out. That's not the way faith works. We got to get rid of fear. We got to get rid of doubt and we got to trust in him completely. Jesus is saying to somebody here today, fear not and believe only that's the word to you right now believe only forget everything else forget what your friend said about it forget what the doctor said about it forget what the bank account says and just believe only come on somebody say believe only with me so jesus tells jairus you know he's dealt he's on the journey to his house he's dealt with the divine interruption now he's been told it's over but jesus saying fear not believe only so they begin walking again they're continuing by this time jairus has to be frustrated he has to be thinking what's the point point and going to the house and maybe there's a little bit of i i want to say i told you so to jesus when i get home because i want him to come in and i want to show him the mess i want to show him what what this delay cost and, and, and what he took time out here to deal with somebody else. So now look what has happened. I want to say, I, I told you, you know, I had to, you know, wanted to get you here as quick as possible, but you had other things to do. Maybe that was, I don't know, but it, it, that's what it would be for me. I'd, I'd get a little frustrated. I'm sure Jairus was a little frustrated. So as they near the end of this journey, As they walk to this house, they they finally make their way to his house and they're standing on the outside. And as they listen, they can hear on the inside wailing and mourning and crying. They've already made up their mind that, that this girl has now died. The promise is dead. The miracle is out of reach. So as they walk through the threshold of that house where that dead girl is now laying. Jesus permitted with him only Peter, James, and John to come in. He said, you three, come in with me. Those gathered around the girl as they walked into that room of of death and depression and, and sickness. You could just, I'm sure, feel it. It was palpable in that moment. Jairus upset, now looking at his daughter who has passed away. As they gathered around the girl weeping and mourning, Jesus again spoke up and said something incredible. He spoke up and said, as he looked at the situation, as he observed it, and he sized up what's going on, he said, she's not dead, only asleep. She's not dead, only asleep. And when he said this, the crowd began to speak in tongues. Angels from heaven began to ascend and descend and... Somebody took a cross, you know, took their sh- their coat off like Pastor did today, and he threw it. Somebody began to run the aisles and, and, and shout, and, and um, no, I'm sorry, never mind. My <laughs> wife must have got a hold of my notes again. And added something in here to try to make me embarrassed. I'm sorry. Let me read the actual story. So Jesus looked at the dead girl, saw that she was dead, this this over situation. And he said, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And the crowd ridiculed him. The Bible says they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. Knowing that it's over. Knowing that you took your time to get here. So no, she's not asleep. She is dead. But the Bible says that Jesus, the perfect gentleman that he is, the perfect man that he was temperament. The Bible says that he looked at them and he said, get out. Get outside. Leave this place. You see, on the last leg of the journey to his miracle, Jesus and Jairus had to deal with those who doubt. He had to fight the negativity on the road to his miracle. But God simply put them out. Church, sometimes you've got to get those voices out of your life when you're on the road and the journey to your miracle. You can't try to believe God for your answer, but still hang out with so-and-so. You can't try to come to church and receive a word from pastor and get your, get your faith elevated. But as soon as you go home, you dial up that number and speak to that person who speaks negativity into your life. Or as soon as you get to school or work on Monday, you start hanging out with that person you know you shouldn't be with. And all of a sudden, your faith is destroyed. No, you got to do like Jesus And kindly and simply put those things out of your life. Put those voices out of your life. Certain relationships, certain friendships, certain voices don't belong on the journey to your miracle. Come on, they don't belong. They're not not equipped to walk with you through every trial and every struggle. They're not equipped to lift you up when you're feeling low and say you still should be faithful to church. You should still attend prayer meeting. You should still give. Certain voices don't belong with you when you're trying to get to your destination. When you prayed and believed God for some things, you got to rid yourself of that stuff. Come on, that's the hard part. But as He rid the house of that negativity as he got rid of those voices Jesus took her by the hand he looked down at that dead promise and he said to her little girl arise and then the Bible says immediately her spirit returned and she arose immediately in that moment you see the journey was long it was treacherous there was disappointments there was frustrations there was anger there was resentment Jairus faith was tested but he learned to trust in him who had promised Jairus released his control to Jesus and Jesus performed the miracle that he was so desperate to receive. Now today you might be like Jairus, the desperate father. You're on your own journey. You're on your own road to the answer to a your prayers, to a miracle that you've been praying and believing God for. You're on the road to your promise, and at points it has seemed like you faced frustration. It seems every step of the way. There have been delays. There have been discouragements at every turn. But understand that no matter what Jairus faced on the road home, no matter what voices of doubt arose in his life, Jesus was always right here. He was always standing right there, Because as the Bible says, He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you on the journey to your miracle, on the road to your promise. He's still on His way, church, to your situation. He's still moving in our, our midst. He's still blessing us. He's still healing us. He's still providing financially. He's still setting the captive free from sins and chain and depression and everything else. God has not forgotten you. Understand this. He's not forgotten where you're at. He's not abandoned you because what he has said he will do. He will do it. If you'll stand with me today. I don't know what point of the journey that you're on. I don't know what, what step you're on. Maybe right now you have reached an an intersection where you're experiencing a divine interruption. You've seen those around you receive answers and miracles and healings and You've seen others that have struggled with certain things and they've been set free. But if you'll just keep walking, if you'll just put one step, one foot in front of the other. Or maybe, maybe you've received news and and as far as you're concerned, logic and reasoning says it's over. Quit praying for that thing. Maybe it has been weeks, maybe it's been months, or even longer than that, maybe it's been years since you have prayed for that answer, and you've given up hope. You've said, I can't pray for that anymore, and you've moved on, but that, that circumstance is still there. If I could, in a moment, just allow this service to lift your faith, this word. And no matter how tough it is to do it, No matter how ridiculous it may sound to yourself to release those words and pray that prayer again to God, let this be a service where you start walking again. Let this be a service where you gather yourself together, no matter how bad it hurts, and you just start saying, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm going to start walking again towards that promise. And I believe that God can answer that prayer today. It doesn't have to be weeks down the road. It might be, but God has the ability to walk into that house today. Go to that situation, that, that prayer that you've prayed for, that, that as far as you're concerned is a dead promised, lifeless, no breath left. God can look at that thing today and simply speak a word and cause it to rise again, cause it to come back to life. God can do that in this service for you, but you've got to be desperate enough to want it. You've got to desire it more than anything else. Jairus was a desperate father. He wanted this more than anything else. And the proof of his desire was in what he was pursuing. He was pursuing the answer in that house. He was pursuing holding on to Jesus. You've got to come with me. Doesn't matter what, what the journey is saying, doesn't matter what the pit stop says, but you've got to keep walking with me. You've got to get that in your spirit today. Say, I'm going to keep walking, I'm going to keep pressing. Church, You got to do that as a church with your pastor. Come on. There may be tough days ahead. There may be tough weeks ahead. We're excited about the future of the church. Things may fall through. You may hit pit stops. But if you'll just keep walking, if you'll just keep praying, if you'll just keep giving, God says, I'm going to provide. I'm going to do it. I'm going to answer that prayer. Come on, he's put promises on this church that have yet come to pass, but he's still going to do it. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still doing it. Come on, there's going to be moments on the journey where logic and reasoning says, don't do this, don't step there, don't pray that prayer. But keep pushing, keep pressing, keep walking, and God will walk with us to our expectedness numbers 23 and 19 well-known passage of scripture the bible says god is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent has he said and will he not do in other words if god said it he'll do it just believe it. it may not have happened yet you know god can do anything There's nothing impossible for God except for one thing. He cannot lie to you. He can't do it. Even even if he wanted to do it and tried to will himself to do it, it's impossible. God is not man. He, He has no concept of what it is to lie. So if he spoke a word to you, if He spoke something to you in prayer, if He gave this church a promise, if He gave your family a promise, then rest assured it will come to pass. It will come to pass because it's impossible for Him to lead you astray. It's impossible for Him to deceive you. It's impossible for Him to tell you something that doesn't happen. So it may not have happened yet, but rest assured God will do it. God will do it. If you're on the road to healing, if you need healing in your body in this service, the power of the Lord is present to heal. The power of the Lord. We've sang it in the song, King of Glory, feel this place. King of Healing, feel this place. If you need healing in your body, that King of Glory is here, brother. He's here to heal your body. Listen to me. If you need deliverance in your life, if you're struggling with the same sin over and over and over again, something in secret that has you bound by chains, if you're struggling with depression in your mind and... And suicidal thoughts and, and thoughts that are just not right and, and and perversion, whatever it is, if it's maybe it's an addiction that you have, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Somebody say liberty. If you need deliverance in your life. If that's the miracle you need, if that's the journey you've been on, then this is your moment. This is your chance. God can break those chains and set you free. If you need God to bring your family back together, if you need God to touch a situation at work, if you need God in your finances, if you need God in your life, no matter what it is, it doesn't matter. God's not a man that he would lie and his promises are made true every day. His promise is here today and he wants to bring you to that miracle. I'd like to invite you, whatever it is you need physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, doesn't matter. I'd like to invite you to this altar to pray, to gather yourself together and begin that journey back with the Lord to your answer. Come on, God wants to do a miracle in this place right now. Come on, Jairus. Believe only, don't fear. Fear not. Come on, don't. Don't try to mix logic and reasoning right now with your faith. Don't try to mix those things with your faith, but believe only. Forget everything else. Forget the disappointments. Forget the anger and the frustration, the resentment. Forget all those things and just reach out in faith and say, I believe you, Jesus. I'm still walking, Jesus. I'm still going towards my answer. I'm still going towards that thing that I need. Come on, God's doing a miracle right now in this place in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I come against sickness and pain in body right now. I come against a bad report from the doctor. God, I pray let your healing take place. Let a spirit of healing move across this altar. Touch everybody in Jesus' name. I pray for every mind right now that's captive by thoughts by disappointments and fear, frustration, depression. God, I come against those things right now in the name of Jesus. Bring deliverance and bring healing. I pray against discouragement right now, the saint that has stopped walking, the saint that has stopped moving towards that miracle. God, let us get up and walk again. Let us get up and go again in this moment. Come on, that's it. Push a little further. Dig a little deeper. Pray that tough prayer. Pray that tough prayer again. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit ephesuschurch.com. Thank you for being a part